Mind your speed and your surroundings. Avoid costly collisions. Welcome to the Orbital Sword. Please follow me to the reading room. Three, two, one, engage. Welcome aboard the Orbital Sword. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode of the Orbital Sword, we're discussing Columbus Day, Expeditionary Force, book one by Craig Allenson. Uh, is that the right title? Or is it Expeditionary Force Columbus Day? I don't know. It's confusing. It's, it's book the ex- one it's, of the it's, big it's the, ex- it's, it's the Expeditionary Force series. Mm, so okay. Columbus Day is the name of the first book. Gotcha, gotcha. So this is a uh, this is a more militaristic science fiction book than than stuff we've been reading, and uh, it features what would happen if aliens showed up to modern day um, the world. They're way more advanced than us. We're not prepared, and all of a sudden we're dragged into an intergalactic war. But not how you would think. Not like, oh, we're drawn into this world and all of a sudden the human race is elevated to this high and and mighty uh, technologically advanced thing because we met aliens. No, we kind of get tricked into becoming slaves or grunts for the aliens that, that discover us. And there's a there's a whole hierarchy of aliens um, that, that go up up the ladder of each group having another group that does their dirty work for them. And uh, we're at the bottom of the rung. So the story follows a expeditionary force from earth that goes out to do some, some work for our patron aliens, the Zerang, how do they say it? Yeah. The Christang. The Christang. And, um, what kind of happens while the, the humans are out on another planet and they kind of, realize that maybe the Christang aren't all there they're meant to be. Maybe things are a little bit different and uh, maybe humans are getting taken advantage of and we don't really want to be a part of this battle. <laughs> right. So, And that's the short version. And along the way, they run into go. a uh, devilish AI and have a grand old time. Yeah. Artificial intelligence. And of course... There is an alien, an ancient alien culture that exists out there that no one knows anything about. Yada yada yada. Typical sci-fi story. And there we go. So, all right. So, uh, why don't we uh, start by talking just a little bit about our overall impressions and thoughts about this book, Jim? Is it okay if we start with you? Sure. I thought it was. A really fun book. It it had had a hold of me right away from the beginning, uh, especially when they men- mentioned that um, Earth was being invaded by giant hamsters. <laughs> I know. <laughs> which which, uh, which got my daughter interested when I told her about that. Uh, she, you know, she she has hamsters, has had hamsters for years, and uh, so. 
that was kind of interesting. And then going along and finding Skippy, and then as as it changed over, and you were you were brought into doubt about how important the humans were. Things kind of went south from there, but yeah, I enjoyed it. It was fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, and uh, so very good. Yeah, and it's definitely different than the uh, books that we've written. Like, so I was trying to like compare it to what we've written. Probably the closest we have is is the Leviathan Wakes, right? Uh, the Expanse series. Uh, but but James Holden and the crew, they aren't really militaristic, even though military is playing a part in everything. Um, and uh, this definitely puts you into the guts of the military, of people that were military and trying to su- survive an invasion and then being drafted to kind of work for the people that quote-unquote saved them, only to find out that, well, they didn't really save them. They saved them to become slaves. And, uh, and then... Um, they kind of switch sides, but then not really because they aren't sure that either side has what's good for them. And um, so this is my second time reading it, and uh, and I really enjoyed it again. Favorite part though has to be uh, like my, one of my favorite parts is when Skippy comes on and and uh, and he's absolutely an asshole, and it's great. And um, it's uh, his, <laughs> his his snarkiness and the wittiness back with Joe Bishop and him is just it's just it's just. Uh, it's a real fun ride when, when he gets on board. So, but yeah, David Moulton, go ahead. Uh, what were your thoughts on reading this book? Uh, I felt like it was pretty mediocre sci-fi. I really, if, if, if I hadn't had to push myself, I would not have finished this book. That said, the book only got good. Interesting to me. Once Skippy came on board, um, and even then, it was just very contrived, and and just I, the the guy does not know how to write uh, world building. He he, the story okay, story is fine, but maybe I don't know if this guy was is ex military. If he is, maybe that's a lot of it. But it's just oh my gosh, the, it was so hard for me to, to stay awake listening to this because it was so drab, just like. I walked into the room and there is Sergeant Butterface and Sergeant Butterface has a pink uniform and pink uniforms, you know, you have to be in the army for five years to get the pink uniforms. Also Sergeant Butterface from Ohio. So he's got a long draw Ohio accent. His uh, badges on his chest are pink, purple, and green. And the one of them has an orange, an orange dot on it. And, <laughs> and Sergeant Butterface he didn't really care for me much because you see in high school, Sergeant Butterface got picked on by three guys who had the same name as me. And uh, one of those guys lived in South Carolina originally. His name was Joe and he was raised by, by uh, some abusive parents. And uh, both of them had pink outfits too. Uh, also more information you don't need. And then when he's t- done describing that person, then he's like, Oh yeah. And then he has this firearm on him and then, great detail on the firearm it's just like oh shoot 17 rounds uh, upside down backwards and and through the wall uh but it's no good it's not you know it's not actually a good weapon but i'm going to spend five minutes telling you all about this advanced human weapon that's just got explosive rounds you just say the gun has explosive rounds and been done with it it's just so tedious everything i am so confused about the aliens because 
when he finally got to describing something interesting, he's like, oh, yeah, there's a hierarchy of aliens. And then he went on for about like what seemed like forever describing these aliens, but so quickly and interchangeably. It wasn't, I couldn't remember who he was describing. He's like, well, it's a hierarchy. You see the Rehur, man, they report to the Christang, and the Christang report to the the so-and-sos, and the so-and-sos report to these guys. But don't forget, the Rehurs have green hair, but don't, the two guys up, I mean, they're, they're really smart. And uh, But they all report to these other people. And then, of course, this guy must have played Mass Effect because he's like, oh, yeah, well, there was ancient technology uh, splattered around, or maybe he watched Stargate Universe or Stargate any of them. Whatever, there's there's technology hanging all over the place, and uh, we there's some they elevated themselves past the physical form, but they don't want anyone to use their stuff, etc. etc. So if anyone starts using their stuff, then these uh, sentinels come to life and knock everybody else. Oh my goodness, this the, I'm I I kind of want to know where the story goes because it kind of got it kind of got interesting at the end with Skippy, but Skippy was his own problem, so he doesn't make any sense. So either A, there's some sort of like backstory to Skippy that they're going to reveal and he's going to wind up not being what you think he is, or this guy just wrote this character, just read like Ready Player One and then came up with Skippy and he was like, I got to give him a personality, so I'll just Ready Player One him and have him throw all the pop culture I can at you nonstop and finally the, the book has like some interesting stuff to it instead of just describing everything in the room 400 million times. So that's my short interpretation of there this you book. go the rant master is back <laughs> and that's our show for this evening folks so join us next time when we talk yeah <laughs> on board the orbital sword <laughs> hey you know what david uh, welcome to the army there's no yeah. world building to be done when you've seen one army base you have seen that. them all i know and i think that's my problem is he's just it's like I feel experienced in this world because we've, you know, we've read stuff and I'm, you know, if you like sci-fi, you've probably been down this very similar road before and it just felt so long to get through, through the stuff. So it's like, I don't think this book is bad. It just, I just, I struggled with it so hard. Even so, like the ending with it kind of ending on the obvious upcoming cliffhanger, like, you figured, by the time Skippy comes on board, you're like, well, they're not going to accomplish all this this book. You kind of figured where it was going to end and what was going to happen once they got to Earth and all that stuff. But it's like, even with all that, like, I kind of want to know where it goes. Like, I'm kind of interested to read the next book. But I'll tell you, if the next book doesn't, doesn't, like, pick up the pacing and pick up the, like, the story threads and just, like, run with them and, 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 and and keep it going the whole time, I'm going to have a really hard time yeah. sitting down with the, the third uh, book. The uh, second sure. book really, uh, I mean, what they don't have to do in the second book is introduce you to the Kristang, or they don't have to introduce you to uh, the Ruhar, because they are even the right. Thoranen, or you know, you, you just don't have to do this, because it's all been established, at least to some degree, and you understand what's going on. Um and uh, you know it's it's not so much that, and they're already kind of on their ship, right? Um, and so right. that has been kind of that. I, you know, I, I I hear you, and I think that the thing that I keep in mind when I was reading this, number one, we're getting this thing entirely through the eyes of Joe Bishop. Um, it's rare that we shift out of his head. 
right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which means that, uh, which means that, uh, you know, so when he goes, like, we're encountering the world as he encounters it. So it's not like we aren't really stepping out like a truly omniscient point of view where we are seeing in over the whole like the whole world and all the characters and what they're thinking and their understanding of the entire world. We're getting it when when the ship lands and he steps out, it's Joe's perspective on it. Um when he gets on the ship and trying to figure things out, it's Joe's perspective on it. You know, so I think that that's kind of um what I keep in mind. Um, little tidbit here. You listened to the audiobook, correct, David? You did not, Jim. Yeah. Right? You read it. Yeah. I, I read it. Yeah. So, like, the guy that reads it is the same guy that reads The Martian by Andy Ware, the same reader. Mm. And it's, um, if you've okay. never heard it, it's absolutely a fabulous listen on Audible if you ever get a chance. Um, but, but this is, but, but I really enjoy the reader and, uh, I think he does a good job reading it, but anyway, side note, didn't really play into the plot or anything, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely more militaristic as I'm trying to survive and trying to figure out what do we do as a military, regardless of what planet we're on. Um, and then when realizing things aren't what they seem, how do they handle that? But yeah, mm-hmm. but well, any other initial thoughts before we uh, run into characters and places? Not for me. I think David covered it all. Right, 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 right. That I think, <laughs> David, I think this time you have outdone yourself. Yeah. You've raised the bar very high now. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Well... Yeah, I don't know what to say. I I I, I, I I'm okay with the, I, you know, whatever. It's the book is is actually pretty good. It's just it's just so hard for me to pay attention to it and keep like keep keep my interest and just push through and and like I I tried like this is I was trying to read listen to the book and do other things so that I wouldn't fall asleep so that I could give it like a lot of attention and what happened was i was literally like falling asleep <laughs> doing things because of this book <laughs> and, and and it was bad like there were times i had to turn it off because i was like i have to be do- like way more accurate in what i'm doing right now at work i can't i can't have half a number and then just holding down the the, the f key for like 20 characters because i passed out i you know I, I i had to turn it off a bunch of times but yeah see and yeah, i i, I wonder I if i didn't relate to it a little better because i was in the army and uh um, right. that could very well be and, and i i could relate to it uh it 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 meant something to me it's like yeah i remember that oh yeah that's the way it is and <laughs> You know, it, it was uh, it, it was something that was familiar to me, especially right. from the um, point of view of a non-commissioned officer, and that brings me into let's let's discuss Sergeant slash Colonel Joe Bishop. I liked it. I I liked his character. I like, I mean, his character is is interesting. The 
they they pulled him out from the you know Maine. Um, he has he he's, he's he's typical Maine, and they don't lose his personality throughout. And um, he definitely the way they paint him and and who he is and how he goes about things and how he thinks about things. I think made him an interesting character. I think so many times when we get into science fiction, we, we, we put someone like, you know, on the bridge of a ship that knows what he's doing or, or, you know, they've been trained for this thing and they're experts and, Oh, we're, we're, we're out seeing this anomaly. This is what this is. And this is how we're going to encounter it. Or, you know, uh, it, it kind of put a guy that's really just, you know, any Joe Schmo and he's he thrown into this and, how how do they react? And this is this is and what you get is you know Sergeant Colonel Joe Bishop here, um, mm-hmm. someone that's you know grew up with a little bit of farming background, uh, has military background, but uh, did some stuff that was uh, I guess questionable in the military. And he's you know a normal guy that's kind of thrown into the situation that really no one has a clue what's going on. And how do you how do you deal with it? And I think Joe Bishop is a good a good representation of the common man in some ways. Yes. Well, and I think that's why he got his name Joe. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's just a regular Joe. Just, you know, right. nobody special. He's a sergeant in, in the army. Um, right. He is, he's a leader, but he's not a high leader. He's given a squad to take care of, and he does a good job. And they like his squad likes him and, and they do a good job for him. And right. then, then they, of course, you know, he's comfortable and ready to go. And, um, then, then he starts to learn some things. And the next thing, you know, he's whisked off and given another assignment. And that's, that's the way it is in the army. You, you cannot be comfortable because they're going to move you. Right. And and then the poor guy, they made him a colonel. Right. Oh, and, and what was worse is he wasn't really a colonel. He was a figurehead. Right, like a field promotion. Oh, well, well even a field promotion, yeah. a sergeant might get made into a lieutenant right. and, and become a platoon leader, or he might get made into a captain, but it's all the way up to Colonel. Wow. Yeah. That doesn't happen, but apparently, you know, they were desperate and he, uh, he needed the rank to give his talks credibility. Right. Well, no, the, uh, Chris Stang wanted him to be, be a general. Right. They, they, because, you know, his bravery and valor should elevate him to the top rung. Yeah. So it wasn't, his promotion had little to do with the army and more to do with the, uh, more to do with what the Kristang wanted. Because he had killed right. so many guys, and then so they wanted to make him a general in the army. Was well, like, they, and they they wanted that. him to talk about it. And there's no there's no credibility. A sergeant getting up there is not going to have near the credibility that a colonel is, or a general. Right. Right. I. I I like the growth that that Joe has throughout the whole book. I thought that was it's really it's slow, but it's like you can really get a sense of it, especially by the end, uh, right before they leave again. Like you see, you can definitely see how much he's grown. What I don't like is his inability to accept his constant rejection of leadership. 
his own his own value of leadership. Every time right. he's been he's given, and you're like, oh, this is gonna get good. Like Joe's finally in charge again, or they gave him back his promotion. Like, why did he give? He didn't have to give up his promotion. He should have kept it. And then he goes back, and there he's like, well, we're gonna give it to you again. And he's got it. But then the first opportunity of like trouble, he's like, oh no no, just let just let the Chinese colonel have uh, have be in charge of the crew okay. i'll just be in charge of the ship like okay he just kind of you, like you're off a little bit see you're not a military person <laughs> okay you no. do not want to stand out Un- unless you've got <laughs> real ambitions to advance you don't want to stand out because it can go one of two ways all right so all your superior non-commissioned and commissioned officers like you because you've got ambition, but the guys that you have to live in the barracks with can't stand your ass. And they want you (laughs) dead, you know? And, uh, so it's kind of a no win situation. And especially when you're given a lot of rank and it's like, whoa, you know, it's very intimidating. I mean, an officer goes to school for years to be, to work up the ladder and, you know, you may actually have to make a life and death situation or a decision, a life and death decision, and you haven't been trained for it. It, it would make me very nervous, right? Uh, to get a promotion like that. Right. When you kind of see it, you kind of see it throughout Joe Bishop when he has to make uh, his life, those life and death decisions when he is like in charge of the ship later on, very uncomfortable position for him to be in. He uh, doesn't want to make the decision, but that yet he doesn't want to shirk it because that would be defaulting on his responsibilities. And, you know, he, you know, he, he, he understands the weight of, yeah. in a sense, let's see at that out, point. Like say, so, he has the benefit so. of Skippy to help him to help guide right. him into those decisions, which <laughs> which Skippy did very uh, uh, sometimes brutal, brutally. But yes, he you know if it hadn't been for Skippy, I think Sergeant Joe would have been in a lot of trouble. Uh, so no one thing that I noticed uh, right off the bat in this book is that um, Allenson took a lot of pains to create multicultural, uh, a multicultural squad or whomever, whomever uh, Joe was in charge of. There were a whole lot of different people Um and I thought that was pretty absolutely, neat. yeah, yeah. You took the time to write strong female characters, yeah, too. and some of them so, stood right. out yeah. uh, very. You know, like like the French guy yep. Rene Giraud. I think that's how you'd say it, Giraud. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It is Giraud. But um, yeah, uh, Jennifer Sims. You know, she was tough as nails. Oh yeah, she was. 
And then the Psy being like mm-hmm. the pilot of the uh, You know, when, ship. I, when I saw her, I always pictured uh, uh, Ming-Na Wen with the dark glasses sitting in sitting in the cockpit, you know. Oh, yeah. With those, with those mirror glasses on. Yeah. That would have. Boy, Chang, you, you, you have yeah. Chang here. Chang and, you know, badass. he had absolutely no trouble uh, with Joe whatsoever. I really like the way that Chang followed the chain of command, even though he knew Joe Bishop was not officer material. He still took his orders to by the letter. And the only time Chang cracked at all is when he felt like Skippy was going to be exploited by the United States only. Which is a fair, uh, a fair concern. Um, and even, even when they go back out, like Chang submits mm-hmm. back to uh, Joe Bishop in a lot of ways, which is interesting because right. he's kind of gets earned and of that course, role for Skippy, him. who we might as well talk about him was not going to be controlled by anyone <laughs> as he right. let several officers know yeah. <laughs> and secret service and everybody else, you know, just get <laughs> out of the way. <laughs> That and that that's fun. That's hilarious when he gets into there and he kind of puts him in his place. And I like Skippy. I just think that it does. They even mention it at one point as like a throwaway thing, where Joe's like, oh, Skippy's been stuck on this this planet for a millennia. How does he know all of our pop culture and how does he know all our slang? And like it increases when he gets back to Earth, but that makes sense because he's he absorbs all the digital information on earth. But, uh, when they're on that planet, like his pop culture knowledge and stuff does not make any sense. I don't know that it, it, every time, like he was a cool character. And then every time he would pull out stuff like that or, or use slang or, or, or something. And it would be like, usually in the middle of, of, of degrading Joe, which was fine. And I think that they made it was meant to be kind of more funny, but every time he did it, just really took me out of the book hard. And I was like, "Oh man, why do you have to?" Well, was Ready was won this. were the uh, things Skippy was saying were they too old for for you to grab? Or no, 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 they felt really forced. It uh, it just doesn't make sense that Skippy would have that knowledge and be able to use it so flippantly. Huh when he's been on that planet the whole time well see so he's monitoring all communications and he's monitoring and so they were quite they had you know the soldiers took with them banks of movies that were all electronic and digital um he was he was monitoring all communications he was hearing all their slang yeah he was hearing and so in my if he's doing that then for me it wasn't Far fetched for him to somehow pick up on pop culture. Yeah, reference. Same with me. I didn't. Me. I didn't think he was too far out of line. I just liked the way the way him and Joe gave it to each other full bore. I mean, Joe didn't hold back for a second. Right from the exact beginning, <laughs> and that's why they work. Because he, you know, says it at the end. Joe's the only one who mm-hmm. treats me like a being everyone else treats me like an object and he truly does i mean you see joe he kind of does 
he treats he, he does treat right. him very much like another human being. So then you know we have uh, other characters. Well, is there anything else about Skippy you wanted to talk about other than? Well, so we, we know that he's a product of the elders, and but the elders remain somewhat of a mystery to us. And actually, so just in full disclosure, I've read up to uh, book six in the series. I didn't finish the series. Um, and we do encounter a little bit more of the elders, but they still, to some degree, remain somewhat of a mystery throughout the series so far. And it's really this expeditionary force is following their journey of learning, encountering other alien species and cultures and and different stuff throughout. Um but the elders are kind of an interesting, uh, David. I think you mentioned they remind you a little bit of the ancients from uh, from Stargate. Yeah, um, and uh, and there's a good parallel to that because you really know there's this somehow a, a, an alien civilization that's ascended um, the human reality, and uh, that seems to be what the elders have done. Um, but there's a little bit of mystery surrounding um, Skippy because we don't know why he can't remember um and uh that's called that calls into question of how much can you really trust skippy he seems to have the good of everyone involved but still um they're a little bit uncertain about him and i think yeah, that makes Joe's is his only way to to find what he's searching for isn't it yeah i think the other thing i like about skippy is that he because he is an ai and very intelligent stuff. He assumes um, he doesn't think about humans do, you know, like, Oh, you need spacesuits. Oh yeah. Maybe I should have thought about that. Oh, weapons drones. Oh yeah. They have those, you know, he just doesn't think like what might be interested. Um, and so he's, he's one of these characters. that's so smart. Uh, he's, he's too smart for the common good, like stuff that should be common sense. He doesn't get. Yeah, he does have a memory problem, doesn't he? Well, or he just doesn't think about it. So we move along, and and Joe, his um, what he's fighting for gets called into question when he meets, uh, if I can say it, Berturna Longelia. Yeah. Or the Burgermeister. The Burgermeister sure. is easier to say <laughs> than that. Yeah. And this is a this is a, a a Ruhar officer that talks to Joe and calls into doubt uh, the beliefs that the humans have in what they're doing. Well, Burgermeister kind of points out some things that they were kind of semi picking up on before, but just kind of confirms them. Uh, in in a way yeah like you know maybe we're not maybe we're not as valuable as as we thought we were and maybe the christang aren't treating us the way the way we thought we were going to get treated and which as time goes on becomes yeah that's exactly what's happening right so yeah right i liked i liked her character and i liked the way she was talking to Joe and trying to convince him to to think about what he was learning and then all of a sudden Joe becomes a an intelligence officer. Right. Poor guy. 
Yeah, Major Cochran. That I think that was the officer that wanted Joe to continue to learn right. things. Right. She's the one to give. Or is it Major Perkins? Yeah, I forget. One of those two. I do like Lester Cornhut. Yeah. Perkins, I think it's, it's Perkins. great. That, yeah, Lester Cornhut. What a name. <laughs> you know, and even, you know, we talk about the significance of names like Joe Bishop being the common man, even Bishop being kind of like an emissary to some degree. Um, I think of, uh, you know, here, Cornhut, this is the common farmer of, you know, and to call him Lester, like just, it, it works so sure. well, you know. I'm here. You there, Jim? Yeah. I think we lost. Hello? Him. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a farmer talking to uh talking to the guys and getting along with them. I you know, I was really surprised Is because I was suspecting that something was going to go south with that group. And I, yeah, yeah. I wonder if if it would have gone south had he been there when they tried to do their uprising. Yeah. Well, it it did it, it did go south a little bit, but it yeah. Joe wasn't on the scene for that. He was he was back at uh, Camp Alpha. So, and then you know, I I thought it was very interesting. We had the Ruhar who started out being the horrible villains. Uh, the alien hamsters, right. and then the Christang being lizards. <laughs> and the Christang came in and saved Earth from the Ruhar, and the Ruhar were only there to shut down the power grid to keep the Christang from uh, using right. that. So everybody was kind of confused as to what was going on. Right. You know, you have this alien... I mean, you have these alien species come in and they're, they're clearly devastating, uh, you know, the infrastructure of earth. And you can imagine humanity saying, well, these are obviously bad people. And this, if, the, if the Christine come in, they leave, you can see how they would interpret that as being, oh, our saviors have come, ah, you know, that sort of thing. So makes sense. Yeah. But when they're, but when the humans are out deployed, the Christine do not give them the benefit of, good weapons and good facilities and good entertainment or anything like that. It's just get out there and fight and die right. while we sit up here in orbit. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And it, it just seemed like the, the war was, you know, being fought by a proxy. Yeah. Well, the, the atmosphere was toxic to them, but even so, they would have just thrown the humans at whatever Yeah, they didn't want to handle. And I don't know that the, I mean, the Ruhar definitely treat humans better, but there is the kind of the implication that there are species underneath the Ruhar, and even though they're a better patron than the Kristang, they might not be like... I don't quote unquote the good. Well, see, I thought the Ruhar right were the bottom of the bottom of their line. So I, I'm I'm pretty sure the Ruhar and the Christang right. are at an equal level, and that and I thought that they they mentioned that the Ruhar have like 
other species under them, but they oh. don't make them fight for them, I guess. Yeah. Let me look it up. I mean, it's, it's interesting because you're very much a um, a caste society in a sense, well, a universal caste society where you have these this group and under these groups or other groups and under these groups or other groups. And there's, it's very much a opinion of a strata based on, and really it seems to be based on te- technological advancement or how much tech you've gotten or you stolen from other people that makes you better than the others. So. Yeah. Cause on, in, on the side of the humans, you have the humans who are superseded by the Christang who are superseded by the Theranen who are superseded by the Max Hulks. I, I guess that's how you say it. I, I don't know for sure. And then even they have someone above them. But nobody's fighting mm-hmm. above. It's all down below. Until, of course, the Ruhar come in and uh, mess up the Christang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought the Ruhar, I like the growth of their of their species in this. The Chrisang always felt evil to me, and part of that's because right at the beginning of the book, Joe's like, hey, things aren't how they seem. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> then obviously the Chrisang are the bad guys. It's just got to wait for them to be revealed yeah. to be the bad guys. But, uh, yeah. Yep. Anyway. So, anything else about characters or... Yeah. Things like that. I feel like I'm pretty good about that. I mean, I do like I do like the uh, female president when they get to Earth. Yeah, but <laughs> yes. Um, so I thought that was nice, and yeah. uh, and uh, and I liked her as a character. I mean, she wasn't very developed, but but I did like her and her. No, and I love this. Uh, but what was there? I, I loved it. What was there? I yeah. vote for. And then and then the uh, then the uh, <laughs> the scientist is kind of like thinks he's so much better than everyone that kind of gets put in his place. I like that too. Oh man, does Skippy ever slap him <laughs> down? He was kind of a jerk, and you know, whatever. But. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want to compare brain pans? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't we go ahead and move into fate? So, yeah, I have the equivalent of fifteen hundred PhDs. <laughs> <laughs> why don't we get into some favorite points of plot? So, yeah. And the military guys, they couldn't get, they couldn't do anything with Skippy. And oh yeah, uh, you know, Skippy liked the president right. a lot. Yeah, he was like, "Ooh, I like her." So yeah, <laughs> but I loved, I loved <laughs> on Earth, and maybe this is getting it. Maybe this is a good transition. We're getting to some points of plot here. I love the trouble that Skippy gets into when he gets to Earth. <laughs> the breaking into like the secure. Oh, you call that security? And you know, like, I didn't. You know, there was no firewall there, right? You know, ooh, I want to go to Vegas. You know, fantasy. He hacks the freaking, he hacks the Pentagon for crying out loud. I know. And doesn't care if they know it. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, And I like how he like blames it and puts him in some Starbucks and this, some kid, I told him they're hacking in from there. Like it was brilliantly done. It was, uh. And I, and I did like that, and he was clearly having fun with it. And, of course, all, all the military guys are getting their shorts in a twist, and it's just fantastic. Yeah. Well, what is, what is he going to learn that he doesn't already know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
But hey, humans created fantasy football, and that's something that no one else has done. <laughs> but cool. We're ready to move on. Yeah, to, absolutely. Uh, Let's move into favorite plot, plot points. points. I thought we were you already go with there. one of yours. Right. Let's see. Yeah, let's see here. Favorite favorite plot points of the book. Um, I enjoyed the first meeting of Skippy, where he's kind of like constantly getting shoved back in <laughs> right. the cell and has to <laughs> pop back out to talk to him. Like over and over again. Like I thought that yes. was I thought that was a good interaction of just like nah get back in there. Um and uh, I like some of the stuff when they got to Earth. Like like we were just saying about how Skippy went crazy over like he was so lonely he gets bored between telling him I'm and lonely. <laughs> he gets lonely in the middle of talking to somebody, so he talks to everybody on Earth and and uh, gets up to some kind of crazy stuff and <laughs> Uh, that was that was some pretty good pretty good uh, plot lines there, um, and uh, I enjoyed the uh, space stuff where they kind of he jumped the ships into the planet and and destroyed yeah. them. I thought that was cool. So yeah, most of the last the last like third of the book I really enjoyed. Jim, how about you? What were some of your favorite points of plot? No, I on the other hand, I I kind of like the opening stuff better and why was that okay <laughs> i think i had already started that so i'll start it again uh i kind of you, you like david you like the the last third of the book i kind of like the first third of the book actually the stuff before skippy was was what i really kind of latched on to i guess because it was familiar as i said before and I could relate to it. Um, uh, it brought back memories. It made me think of things that that happened and stuff like that. And then when we got to Skippy and first, when first he came out, I thought, oh, no, now it's going to be trouble. Uh, the, I, I thought for sure the book was going to go off the rails at that point. Um if I had been not been reading it for Orbital Sword, I would have probably given up on it at that point, because it just seemed—I mean, it just seemed weird. But uh, it, it kind of grew on me the rest of the way through, so it was actually kind of like reading two different stories for me. There was the the realistic story the one that I could relate to. And then there was the science fiction fantasy type story that came afterwards. And I see that. And there is a, like, you want to reread it this time. I had kind of that same feel like first part of the book. And of course I knew Skippy was coming because I'd read it before. And I was like, come on, bring on Skippy. Cause I really enjoyed Skippy as a character. Yeah. He's so sarcastic yeah. and uh, so in your face. And, uh, that's what makes it kind of interesting for me as we kind of uh, um, move forward in it. And, uh, and, but at the same time, the, the, the story of Joe and how he got there and survived and, and establishing background, everything, like I do enjoy that as well. Probably not for the same – I wasn't in the military gym, so I don't have that connection that, that, you, that you do to it. But uh, Yeah. Yeah. 
And well, and and I guess on the other side of the coin for me too was uh, the uh, political stuff, which I could have completely done without the hierarchies and all that. I could I could care less about it. So I could have done without the right. politics. Right. I think one of my favorite parts kind of alludes when 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 Skippy comes out, like he wants to be called all these names, Lord God Almighty, or you know whatever it is, and then you say, oh, "I'll just call you Skippy," <laughs> you know, and it's like he he has this thing where he's trying to elevate himself, and and Joe doesn't let him have it. It's just, and I like that. I thought that was funny. That yeah. Well, and then he, you know, and then he winds up liking being called right, Skippy. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I, I did like, you know, we talk about them. You mentioned them jumping the ships into, like, the planet, and that was kind of cool. I like when they infiltrate the base to find the node that shuts off the wormhole. Um, I thought that that, I, I oh, thought yeah. that, that infiltration, uh-huh. um, you know, and it's not like, Everyone comes out alive. No, there are some people that are pretty red shirted in that operation, and, and and it is it is kind of, you know, you know what it is. Um, and that Joe's and you see Joe kind of dealing with that. The fact that they're coming they're they're coming home in a sense with some sort of skeleton crew. Not they lose what what did they lose about half the people by the time they hit Earth. Something like yeah. that. It was a, it was quite a bit. So that I mean, it all, yeah. that all. Uh, I, I thought that gave a lot, that some some realism to it. So. But, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, it was. Uh, you, you you lose friends, you know, and uh, and we lost some good people in that little operation. Yeah. Again, you know, you see each, you see each character kind of shine. So there's these secondary characters we, that you read the list through, and it's multicultural, and it's it's uh, multiple genders. It's it's and, and and you see each of them shine at different parts through the book, and I think that's really cool. Um, that's, yeah, everybody yeah. had their moment, so I really like that. Um, yeah, I there, there. I mean, I could, there's a there's a lot that I I like when when Skippy comes on the board. I I, I you know. Just the way the ships run, the way they talk to each other, the banter back and forth, um, and uh, interest—it's—it's—it's it's, it's just an interesting for me. That was it was an interesting story. Uh huh. Um, other uh, points of plot that people uh, are kind of stick out. I was going to say when they when they go off to explore, um, away from the camp. And then the camp gets blown right. to heck. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Joe would have been there if he hadn't gone kind of AWOL there for right. a while and comes back and, and gets and becomes a, a big right. hero. <laughs> you know, I kind of enjoyed that that little storyline, how, uh, you know, he became the, uh, un, uh, he became a hero. A reluctant right. hero there. Right. Well, I mean, he's still, I mean, he's doing his duty. He's, uh, he, he was called in to serve and they're supposed to be serving the Kerstang. So, uh, so you do that, you know, you do that till your dying breath. Right. So, yeah. 
So it made sense. Yeah. I, I I too like that spot. I like the journey back to the base and them trying to them trying to take out the Ruha ships with the, you know, it is you know you know that that was just uh, that was very that for me that was very cool. But yeah, but and I thought you know when they you know, one of the harder parts is when they when the uh, Kristang you know gun down. The Ruha, the Ruha, is the Ruha students are the families at that one village, and Joe refuses. That was a great. That was, I mean, that was a turning point because oh, yeah, yeah. if 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 the Kristang value absolute bravery, bravery in the face of all odds, they despise mercy. And you and you see that these two's in conflict, and uh, and that ultimately it's what puts him in prison, but then ends up you know, putting him to some sort of favor with the Ruha, Har, which enables him to get up to the ship with um, Skippy. All right. Um, uh, Shall we move into quotes? I thought it was, uh, this was a very interesting quote, especially in the times that we're in now. Um, This is Joe thinking, when things change, even radically, you look at your buddies, shake your head, shrug, and adapt. That's what you right. do as a soldier. Civilians get upset when the menu changes at Applebee's. <laughs> and isn't that the truth? <laughs> yep. Yep. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> I did like that quote. Yes. Any others? Uh, no, that's the only one I grabbed. I had a couple. Uh, this one, um, I mean, your species is responsible for Windows Vista. You know, um, uh, yeah. Um, I love the banter um, when he's like trying to enter, he's trying to figure out what can he keep, what can he do to keep Skippy from being bored and they're on earth. And he goes, you want to have fun causing trouble? Go online and start a credible rumor that Justin Bieber is going to play Darth Vader in the next Star Wars movie I suggested. And then he does it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, so that I thought that was pretty fun. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, he's responsible, and uh, you know that I thought that that was great. Um, I like at Skippy. He's like at my level, the laws of physics are more like suggestions. <laughs> so, you know, I remember that. I uh, I cracked up over that. Along with he goes, I tried to I tried a hobby. I tried collecting stamps, but messing with the universe is so much more relaxing. Yeah. But, <laughs> Almost yeah. sounds like Q. Oh, I, I exactly. There is a little bit of uh Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Um I, I I love this is kind of the opening uh the opening of the book. Um and this will be my last one. The Rahar Hades and Columbus Day. There we were, innocently drifting through the cosmos on a little blue marble like the Native Americans in 1492. Over the horizon come ships of a technology-advanced, aggressive culture, and bam, they're good the good old days where humans only got killed by each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a whole different ballgame now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's just, I, you know, I, I know, I know, David, you complained a little bit about the writing. But I think the one of the things I did like where there were some just things that were said or written that just made me kind of laugh. 
And I think like some of these I shared kind of made me smile or laugh just because they tie into everything. Yeah. Well, those are the things I think that were cringing me pretty hard. Like the Vista comment and stuff. I was just like, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't like Ready Player One. So it's just, you know, it's the same yeah. type of thing nah. for me. But yeah, it's, this is, uh, it was very, very good. Very good. Oh, we didn't talk about this, but the whole Barney thing, I love the way that followed through the book. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're the Barney guy. Yeah, <laughs> you're the Barney yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the part where somebody has a stuffed Barney, and he's like, who used their space yeah, to I know. this here? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Um, oh, you're the Barney guy. And that was funny. Yeah. yeah. Is that ever going to end? Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Let's move into our final thoughts and our ratings. Um, what do you think of this book overall? Just closing thoughts. And uh, would you recommend this to a novice sci-fi reader start with you scott so a couple of thoughts on this this is not um so okay there's some far-fetched things like you know hamster aliens and lizard aliens although v kind of maybe normalized some of them for us um but you you're following a character that for all intents and purposes is a guy that you can relate to so i think that this book becomes very accessible um the science fiction and the science behind it seems pretty realistic. Um, I mean, as far as it goes, and again, there's the stuff. Uh, one of the one of the conveniences you'll say is the fact that because the 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 technology is so advanced that humans can't understand, he doesn't need to go into explaining it, right? So there's that part of it, but at the same time, you see it through the eyes of Joe. Joe's a normal guy, and that makes what he's doing somewhat relatable, especially if you have any knowledge of armed forces and the way that works. I think it makes it a pretty relatable book um, in much, it may be a little bit the way that you would say Leviathan wakes does, even though that's a very different book. But So I would say, yeah, I would say that this is totally accessible to people. And your rating. Um, I really like this book. I liked it a second time. Um, I like the reading of it. Uh, I think I'm going to give it a 4.5. I'm not going to give it a five. I, I mean, I think there are certainly some issues in it, uh, but I think it suffers in, in some ways from being the first book of a novel and having to kind of establish the premise, but I, but I enjoyed it. It was good. It's a 4.5. Yeah. Let's jump over to you, Jim. Okay. I, I'll, I'll tell you what I, I enjoyed the book. It was entertaining. It was it was a, a fun read. It was interesting. I would not recommend it as a gateway to sci-fi, though. Um, I think it was in places. I think it was just a bit too silly for that. Um, I I, I can't imagine a non-science fiction person wrapping their head around an omnipotent being the size of a beer can. <laughs> right. So I, I think you have to, I think a person would need to have other experience with science fiction, um, before, before they would really appreciate this book. And especially, 
someone, as David proved right from the outset, it, it's better if they have a little military experience or understanding. Right. So, uh, I'm going to give it a four. And, uh, yeah, no, I would not recommend this as a gateway book. Okay. I also would not recommend it as a gateway book. I would only recommend this to someone I knew who was either super into sci-fi or the only people I give it a gateway book is if they had read like military books all the time and they were, and they asked me what kind of sci-fi could I read? I want to try something different. And then I would just because it's a, a, a middle ground. Right. Between It'd the be two. a connection into the um, series. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't hate this book by any means. I think it's fine. I think it's very middle of the road for me. I'm optimistic for the other books. I mean, if we, if we wind up reading them, we have a, a couple plans here for some special shows, but if we wind up coming back to this series, I wouldn't mind coming back to it. I wouldn't mind reading the next one. Uh, that would really be the decider for me though. Um, I'm curious as to where it goes. I think it'll be more fun for me once they're out doing their adventures on the ship and stuff. Uh, and most of the world building is somewhat done. I'm going to give it a, a, a really solid three out of five. Um, not great, not bad, just kind of middle of the road for me. Um, yeah, that's where I'm going to Sounds say. good. Sounds good. Yeah. Makes sense and makes sense. And it, it certainly, I think that was uh, what I was expecting. I thought you might actually go lower with the way I... But no, I mean, I was harsh at the beginning, but I don't, I don't really dislike this book. I just had trouble right. reading it. Right. All right. Well, very good. So, so next, next month. Looks like, yeah. Next month we're going to be reading Queen of Shadows by Sarah J. Moss, c- continuing the Throne of Glass series with book four. Right. right? This is book four. Of the yes. series. Book four. Yeah. And uh, there won't be a poll for the next book because we've decided to do some special joint shows with the Dune Saga podcast. We'll be reading Tales of Dune after uh, Queen of Shadows. So that'll be the next sci-fi book. Yeah, absolutely. Read. Uh, so that should be fun to get back into the Dune universe uh, there. But I, I'm really excited about the Sarah J. Mass book. Um, really been enjoying the series. And I like, the, I like the pace that we're reading it, you know, every other episode because... I'm not. I'm not absorbing it so fast. I can't, you know, to figure out what was in one book and what right. wasn't. You know, just it's nice pace. So. Yeah. You know, you you want, hey, right, before well, we well, go on, you want to. What's confusing is, so I, I've read the entire series, as you know, because I've said that before. Um, I'm reading the series with my son, and we just finished book two, and now we're going to be going into book four, and I'll be beginning book three at the same time. Oof. <laughs> so, in other words. You're going to be a mess next recording. We're going to find out, won't we? So. <laughs> no, Scott. Scott. Scott's the sharp one. He he won't he won't mix things up. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Uh, I would. Well, they are. They're. You know what? They're on different continents. You know. So we're on Queen Mab's continent, and we're back in Otterland's continent for this one. So we're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, of course, if you guys ever want to write in and give us book suggestions or let us know what you thought of anything that we've read, you can contact us at theorbitalsword at gmail.com. We have a voicemail, too, and that number one, is... one two six zero five seven seven two four two eight. 577 2428 Cool. 
You can leave a message there. We'll respond. Of course, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Orbital Sword, and on Twitter at Orbital Sword. Uh, you can join the conversation there or as well at our main hub, orbitalsword.com, where you can find links to all the things I just mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, thank you to everyone who continues to support us on Patreon. Uh, you know, glad to see you out there uh, doing your thing. Thank you. Absolutely. So once again, for the Orbital Sword, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And join us next time on board the Orbital Sword. Thank you.
to get cold inside Never get away Cause I will miss you